Welcome to The Wellness Phenoms, a podcast about the joys and struggles of life. The show will hit on topics such as mental health, fitness, finances, and spirituality. We are your hosts, Logan and Josh, two friends sharing our experiences with the world in an effort to help others. We are by no means experts, just highly passionate about these topics and eager to challenge ourselves and those around us. Hey, Phenoms, welcome back. Today is episode 25, The Art of Communication. To learn more about us in the show, check us out at www.wellnessphenoms.com. And while you are there, check out our patron program where you can make a pledge to support the show financially. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Wellness Phenoms. So today we're going to talk about the art of communication, which is you know, likely one of the most difficult things people... Um, have to learn. And, you know, it's so vital in, in everything that we do from a day-to-day basis. I think, uh, you know, one of the major challenges is that, uh, you know, everybody comes from different backgrounds and different styles of communication. And um, it really can take a lot of time to to kind of verse yourself or, you know, learn those different, different ways of communicating that people use and what works best with different people that you interact with regularly. Um, and I think that uh, it's very important that uh, we do kind of strive to have an awareness and, and willingness to learn the best ways to to communicate with those we do interact with on a day to day basis. Yeah, I de- I definitely think that communication is something that needs to be focused on. You know, you like you said, you've got to have that awareness and willingness to learn to be better at communicating. Um, and you kind of started to hit on it too, but. Um, Cultural aspects can have a huge part um, on how we communicate with people as well. Um, I know what's viewed as acceptable or professional in one culture may not be in another. Yeah, and I think that you know how small the world has become over time, and how uh, how many different backgrounds and cultures there are uh, just adds an added effect, I think, to to being able to co- communicate efficiently and effectively and um, kind of dive into those different cultures and, and what people react to and what people don't react to. Yeah. And I think another big point to communication that sometimes people forget to look at is communication is, is far more than just the verbal piece of, of everything. There's, you know, there is the verbal, which is a huge part of it, but there's also writing, um, and probably most importantly, our body language. Um, yeah, I think a lot of things are, are communicated through the body language. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of times, especially in verbal communication, that's where it goes south is when, uh, that, you know, you might be talking and thinking that you're, uh, in tune with the conversation and not projecting or, or antagonizing people. But I think a lot of times, you know, those different facial expressions and body movements and stuff like that can steer a con- steer communication and make you go awry. Yeah, most definitely. And there's a lot of studies out there too. Um, and everyone is kind of done a little differently, but um, the general consensus um, from the research I've done anyway, is that um, experts believe that approximately between 70 and 93% of all can communication that we do is actually nonverbal, which is really interesting because 
that just shows how little of the communication that we're doing is actually the verbal aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, it's quite amazing how much, what large percentage of, of communication that is. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of times we think of communication like, you know, you might have a conversation with somebody or go to a business meeting or, and it doesn't work out your way and you think, well, maybe I shouldn't have said this and maybe I shouldn't have said that. I think a lot, you got to keep that body language and, you know, the nonverbal stuff in check as you're communicating with people to make sure that you're not, you know, maybe turning people off or um, making people think that maybe you don't have the knowledge that, that you're trying to present or whatever it might be. Yeah. I think that, that the nonverbal stuff that we do um, can start to kind of uh, play into people's perceptions of who we are as a person um, or not even so much just who we are as a person, but just on whatever that topic is, um, it can start to kind of aid into, you know, their believability piece of it, right? Or um, a big part of it too is the rapport side of stuff, you know? Um, I mean, when we start talking about communication too, I think it's important to note that there's there's such a wide range of different environments that we might be exposed to, which can really affect overall what the communication might look like. I mean, you could be, you know, say um, on the work front, right? Mm. And depending on what your job is, you know, and to what level of professional standard you're held could really dictate what that communication might look like. Um, you know, down to just a simple conversation between friends and everything that's in between that. And it can be wildly different. And I think that's why communication can be so difficult for some people. Um, and, and it really is an art form that, that takes a lot of time and effort to master because there's, it, it, it just ranges so, so widely as to how we may have to communicate with other people. Um, because you do, you've got cultural differences, you've got professional, you know, realms that you may be speaking in. You've got your normal day-to-day conversation between friends, family, coworkers. Um, and I mean, it just, you never know what you're going to get. And then you have all the different personalities that go along with it and different perceptions. And then, you know, you get into more, uh, deep conversation type stuff when you start maybe broaching that political realm, religious realms, things that may or may not be triggering to other people, um, where we have a lot deeper inset like beliefs and stuff like that. Um, there's just, it, it, it's so wide and that's why communication can be so difficult for people and why it's important that we focus on it and try to better our communication skills. And overall, I think just become more well-rounded with our communication capabilities. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like Logan's alluding to is a lot of the nature of communication is it changed from conversation to conversation, right? You could have a conversation with your boss. It needs to be a certain way and, and, uh, 
you need to care of yourself. And then your buddy calls and then, you know, you go back to dealing with a coworker or you go home and then maybe, you know, you're, you have another conversation with a neighbor. It just is always, always changing and never, really never the same. Um, but if we can find those tools that like, like Logan's talking about, um, to kind of help us better our ability to communicate and uh, kind of read into some of these situations, it can be highly beneficial and, uh, make communication a lot easier along the way. Yeah. I think one huge thing when we start talking about communication too, is the ability to you, well, utilize active listening, um, and, and truly be present when somebody's talking, don't be on your phone. Don't be, you know, gawking off to the side, wondering what somebody else is doing. Um, and truly be there listening wholeheartedly to what the other person is saying. Cause I think sometimes we are, we're on our phone or we're paying attention to something else, or while somebody else is talking, we might be thinking of something else or what we got to get done for the day, whatever it might be. And it starts to add in this separation between the actual conversation and our, our true active listening and we might start to miss components of a conversation that may or may not be vital, I guess, if you will, but, but it starts to put that barrier in between and active listening is one of the things that across all the different spectrum of communication that we might, you know, happen upon in our day-to-day stuff. It, it's one of the biggest things that is relevant to all of them. And I think it's one of the biggest things that causes problems. Yeah. Um, I think a lot like Logan's saying is, you know, not only picking up on what they're saying, but those, the body language and and social cues that that happen during conversations and communicating. If you're distracted, um, you could miss something, not only that they say, but you could miss kind of where the, you know, visualizing where the conversation is going, if it's going well or not well, or, you know, the other person involves getting agitated um, and it can spiral out of control. I think, um, you know, talking about being on your phone or looking around or um, I'm a big proponent of eye contact. And I think that that's huge and aids in the conversation. Um, but when people don't do it, I'm the kind of person it, it gets on my nerves because to me, that person's not investing the time or energy to actually hear what I have to say or care about the conversation. Um, and I think we've all had those times with our, you know, family or friends or where you may be telling a story and they're on their phone or they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not looking at you. They're just kind of going along with the playing along, but not really, you know, investing time and energy and, and being active and, and focused can really help, you know, mo- uh, kind of smooth out some of those disconnects. And I think, um, you know, avoid some of those later on conversations like, well, you know, especially with family or spouses or things like that, you know, we've all been in the situation where it's like, yeah, I told you like three days ago. No, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I remember telling you and you, you, we had a conversation about it. (laughs) So I think that, you know, you can avoid some of those mishaps, miscommunications and, uh, hopefully avoid, you know, some of the bigger things where you maybe burn bridges or, um, you know, just cause disconnects in that relationship. Yeah. Or distrust, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of times we start to 
um, probably find people in our own lives who we know are good listeners, right? Um, who we can come to that is truly going to listen to us. And then we have those other people that we know that they're just maybe not the the right person to come to about things that we want to discuss or maybe want advice on things like that. Because um, a lot of times it's not even that that person can't give good advice, but a lot of times it's the simple fact that they don't maybe listen 100% to what we're saying. And, you know, it, it goes a long way, you know, when, when you're trying and talking about communication, mm-hmm. you know, those things make a huge difference. And we all think we have this innate ability to multitask and, you know, do two things at once. And really you don't, you're just losing your focus to a certain percent on one thing, giving it to another. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it can be, it can be humorous. I think in conversations where someone's clearly not listening and you ask them something and they look at you like deer in headlights, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yep. Um, but I also think like using that active listening and, and honestly giving that person the time and energy is huge. And, and a lot of, you know, there's definitely opportunities opportunities in there where a response probably isn't always required. Um, and I think that being there and just giving, as Logan was alluding to, that that sounding board to to kind of voice their opinions or concerns or um, you know get something off their chest that can be huge in building relationships and uh, for future conversations and in in life. Yeah. Well, I think that. You know, when, when we start talking about, you know, like having a true conversation with somebody, I I think a lot of people maybe have this perception that we must respond, right? And that we, we have to give something back verbally, um, which I think to a level, yes, right? But maybe not to the extent that everybody often thinks that they need to. I think sometimes people want to throw their two cents in more Mm -hmm. a lot because they feel it's necessary to maintain a good conversation. Whereas in reality, most conversations, depending on, you know, who's starting the conversation, what the conversation is about, you don't have to actually always have some methodical, well thought out, you know, response to everything. Sometimes just nodding your head, mm-hmm. letting the other person know that you're listening, you know, making that eye contact that you were talking about, Josh, it is huge. And, you know, sometimes just throwing in a little like, yeah, or, mm-hmm, you know, something that just kind of acknowledges that, hey, I am listening. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, you know, and I am present and part of this conversation. And you don't always have to, you know have some big elaborate response unless of course one is necessitated. Yeah. I mean, remember that, you know, 70 to 93% of communication is nonverbal. So I think that if you're actively listening, you're engaged in the conversation, you're given those nods and, and cues that you, know, you you can sympathize without words. Um, I think, like I said, a lot of times that's more powerful, I think, than words would be anyway, because there's, there's many things that, you know, communications that are, conversations that take place. And, you know, I, I can think of times where I'm just having a conversation with someone almost to kind of offload or vent or, or, you know, get that stuff off my chest. It doesn't mean I'm trying to give it to them, but just having somebody, 
you know, acknowledge the concerns or, you know, even if it's, I mean, it could be something fun you're talking about, just even just sympathizing or um, having that companionship over the situation is huge in building rapport and, um, you know, just a trust, I think, that enhances any other part of the relationship. If you know that you can come to this person, they're going to give you their time as you would give them and, you know, just build that bond and grow on it. Yeah. It's a huge deal. And, you know, we're talking about active listening and, and whatnot with this communication, but I think even maybe more importantly is actively observing, right? Because we're talking about how, you know, like you just said, again, this 70 to 93% of all communication is nonverbal. So you're talking about a huge chunk of the, the way in which we're communicating isn't even the words that we're saying. It might be the tone in which those words are said, or it could be our body language, our hand movements, things like that. Um, and I think that sometimes, and I, I know that for me, um, working in crisis work, I come across this a lot, um, where sometimes the words that I'm hearing somebody say aren't always matching up exactly with the body language that I'm seeing. And it gives me a lot of cues and indicators into maybe that, okay, maybe they're holding back verbally because maybe they're ashamed or embarrassed of something, or um, they don't know if they can say something fully. But then over here, I'm seeing all the body language and the facial expressions, things like that, not matching up. And it, it kind of gives me an indicator to maybe take a different approach or uh, dig a little deeper in a different way um, or ask more questions. You know, um, sometimes it even just comes down to like with the crisis piece of things, letting people know, hey, you're in a safe space and we're not here judging you this, that or the other. And, you know, I want you to be able to speak freely and, and say what's on your mind. And a lot of times that makes in and of itself all the difference where somebody, you know, you, by noticing those nonverbal cues, you're able to kind of peel back some of the layers of that onion, if, if you will, and, and get somebody to open up a little bit more. Yeah. And I think, you know, on the other side of that, through that observation and, um, you know, kind of reading the other person's body, you can, a lot of times I think avoid some of those heated communication situations where they, they go the other way, right? People aren't holding back, but people are getting frustrated, irritated, um, offended. I think that, you know, watching people's eyes, their stance, their, you know, fidgetiness, their, maybe they're clenching their fists. Um, but there's a lot of cues on the other side that can help you, you know, maybe adjust that conversation in the communication. If you see that, person you're talking to is getting agitated or uh, appears to be upset, you can obviously, you know, use some humility in yourself, find some humility in yourself. And I think offset some of that kind of change the, the, the way the conversation is going just because, you know, I think, you know, Logan can attest to this a lot of times in crisis situations, even you could start at a very high level agitated. And by the end of it, you're having a very normal conversation at a very low tone. Um, by being able to read those situations and adjust your approach in an attempt to really, you know, not, you know, necessarily, I mean, you're trying to guide the conversation away from maybe an aggressive position. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of times in those situations, we kind of get caught up 
and think we need to maybe match that person or um, if they're loud, I need to get louder. And really there's no communication happening at that point. You know, so if you can use that, dig down, find that emotional intelligence to kind of, you know, I think steer the conversation a little bit and, and be okay that, hey, you know, I might have a little bit different opinions than this person, but is it really worth us getting in this big heated argument over maybe a minor thing? Yeah. Well, and a lot of what Josh is talking about is what I've always referred to as mirroring, right? So a lot of times when you start seeing two people get, and it's usually when you see these more passionate or more heated, mm-hmm. um, argumentative type uh, interactions with people, you know, somebody might start leveling up like you were saying, and then the other person starts to level up and it, everybody just kind of keeps going up and up and up. And before you know it, you're having almost a screaming match with somebody. And I think that when people get to that level, you're not even really, people are so excited and so angry and so emotionally driven. Yeah. And half the time, I don't even think they're almost just preemptively planning their next rebuttal to whatever said. I don't even think that they're listening half the time mm-hmm. at all, you know, cause that goes back to that multitasking thing. Multitasking is not really a thing. It, <laughs> I think some people think they're really good at it. And, and maybe some people just have that unique enough mindset that they can do it. But for most of us, multitasking is not a real thing. It's just not, not effective. Um, but with the mirroring thing, I've always deployed a tactic that I've always referred to as reverse mirroring. So if I'm dealing with somebody that starts to become like very passionate or, um, you know, on a level where they're, I guess, escalating their voice a little bit, Um, a lot of times the reverse mirroring is kind of just bringing your voice down and talking really soft and, and their way up there and your way down here. And it can make all the difference because a lot of times they're talking so loud that when you lower your voice way down like that, you know, it, it can kind of, it's almost a shocking moment to them Mm -hmm. and it, it forces them to realize, holy cow, I'm. I'm yelling right now or, you know, talking very loudly and, and it, it just kind of lightens the mood back down a little bit. Um, And I think like you said, it causes that pause of like, why am I yelling? And he's not yelling or, you know, I think even subconsciously without even thinking about it, we think we recognize obviously in the nonverbal cues, like this person is way lower than I am. What am I doing? Yeah. Um, I think it's a great tactic to use to to really break up those situations. Um, I think another big part that, you know, we kind of alluded to, but I think in conversation, it's give and take, right? It's like anything else. It's their time to talk, my time to talk, um, and kind of being aware of the conversation to make sure that we avoid stepping on each other's toes in communication and let them finish their thought. I know that, um, you know, I know people in my life that are just bad at that. They, you know, you're in a conversation and they got to get out what they have right away mid sentence, no matter what you're doing. And, uh, you know, that can, that can really, I think hurt the, the conversation itself, but over time it could probably hurt the relationship. I think that if, you know, they don't, by doing that, you're saying, and it might not be the intention, but you know, you're projecting that your thoughts more important than, than the other person. And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of times it does come from maybe concern of forgetting something or uh, missing a point. 
Um, cause we've all had those moments too, but I think it's important to just respect the other person's time and, and opinion and, and kind of, you know, work that together to make the con- conversation just go smoothly. Yeah. And I think, you know, that brings another point to the table is almost like, a um, a level of setting expectation too, when we start into a conversation sometimes, um, or, or setting boundaries, right? Um, cause if it, I, th- I think a lot of times when people have conversations and things start to get more heated or argumentative in nature, especially a lot of times, I think that derives from the fact that people aren't feeling heard, right? So that comes back to that active listening piece mm-hmm. and, you know, also that active observation, um, of all the social cues and body language, whatever. But I think if you go into conversations and set those, like if it, maybe you start to notice, right, that things are kind of escalating in your conversation, that's a good time to maybe just pause and it's okay to air like, Hey, you know, these topics may even be a little triggering for me, but I'd love to have the discussion with you. However, can we just try and make sure that we're, you know, giving each other the space to actually get our thoughts and opinions out? Mm-hmm. Um, and and to the point where we feel heard and I'm getting my point across, I think is what I hear from a lot of people is they feel like, and I feel this way a lot too, when I'm having more serious conversations is I would like to get my point across, you know, and if you don't understand it or you don't get it, that's fine. But I still want to have that opportunity to air what I'm trying to get at. Because if I think a lot of times, if we don't get that opportunity, then it, it feels like the whole conversation's a waste anyway, but both people have to be able to do that. Yeah. And so, um, setting those expectations, I think when we start to happen across those instances is really smart, you know, and, and letting that other person know, Hey, this is how I'm kind of feeling about this. Can we maybe proceed forward in a little bit different fashion so that we prevent ourselves from getting to a point where we're just arguing and kind of having a nonsensical conversation at that point? Yeah, I think that, you know, especially expectations are phenomenal, especially when you're in a situation where, because we all have those in life where you know it's going to be a tough conversation or you know uh, you have a really good relationship with this person and you know it's a topic that's going to, poke at them or set them off or put them closer to an uncomfortable position. Um, in those times, it's, it's a great opportunity to set expectations for yourself initially to kind of help buffer and control that from the front end. I mean, it's a great idea to do it with them as well. But I think if you know, you know, this, this topic's going to set, set them off a little bit, then you kind of have a different approach and how you do it to, to, I think, mitigate some of that and make sure they know that you're, you want to hear their opinions. And, um, and that's a, a lot of that's done with, I think, nonverbal. If you have the mindset that I don't want to get in an argument, I want to have a conversation about this. You can, you can lower some of those um, concerns. But I think it's also in, in the verbal when you're, you know, when you do air your opinion, we can do it in a way that's conversational instead of, this is my opinion and this is what it is. You know, you can always give your opinion, follow it up. What do you think about that? What are your concerns? What are your, to kind of pull them into the conversation and, and um, make it two way instead of one way, even if it, it can be the most serious conversation you have in your life. But I think if you, 
again, use that humility and know that, especially in the relationships, you really know people, you know the things they're going to disagree with you on. So I think if you use some of that and pull them in and give their opinion and make them feel heard, um, we could mitigate some of that, that uh, aggression and stuff that could, could be brought up through the conversation. Now that's not to say it's always going to work. There's, we're human beings. So there's always, there's going to be a fight eventually, but if you can, you know, mitigate some of that, it'll definitely, I think help or at least tone it down to where it could have been. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's, it kind of brings up another thought to me is, is the fact of ego playing in as well. You know, like earlier I was trying to uh, talk about, you know, sometimes how we just want to get our point across. Sometimes people don't want to hear that. Yeah. They, they just simply don't want to hear it. And a lot of times ego plays a part in that. And sometimes we have to be aware of that and, and know maybe it's just, okay, we shouldn't have this conversation at all, you know, and, and, we have to change the subject, but I've had a few people in my life um, recently that I've noticed I'll, if we're just chit chatting about random, normal, whatever stuff, it's all fun. It's all good. We could talk for hours. The second that we move into a more serious type conversation, it seems as though like sometimes it's a, Oh, I already know that, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, and, and all of a sudden you move from having this long, just fun, casual conversation to this very abrupt, um, pointed conversation and, or where you're being cut off because ego starts to play a part in it. And I think that that can become very toxic. And sometimes when you get to those moments, you have to start to pick and choose like, okay, is this a conversation I want to have right now? Um, do I have a different way to approach this, a different angle to come from? If not, maybe it's something you need to kind of back off from yeah, and lighten the mood back up and then revisit it later at a different time. If you find maybe a different approach or tactic that you can come across the table with, that's not, you know, going to kind of like poke the bear, if you will. Right. With, cause I mean, and, and this is all part of this like emotional intelligence thing and effective communication and trying to be well-rounded, right? Because everybody is so different and everybody communicates in different ways. And, and it, it's, it's a very difficult thing sometimes to be able to effectively get through to everybody in our lives. And I think a huge part of that sometimes though, is humility. Yeah. I think, and I think that as a huge part of our, you know, communication issue in this country is ego. And, um, you know, my person, I personally think that there's a lot of arguments that happen that really don't need to happen because it's personal opinion. And that's a great thing. You can't have, you know, we don't, I don't personally want a society where everybody thinks like me. I think we need people that think outside the box and people that have different opinions, whether we think they're right or not, because it challenges you in your own opinions. Um, I think it's one of the great like debates, right? Debates were, are amazing because you have two different people with two different backgrounds, two different opinions on a subject and they, you know, fight or not, not fight, fight's not a good word, but they defend their side and their perspective. And I think that if, you know, in, in our culture, if we could drop that ego, and move more into a debating conversation, I think that it would be amazing to see how it opened up communication and, and people's views and kind of challenge people's views. Because when we get so closed off, 
um, in the way we're, we're communicating are so, you know, steadfast in our beliefs, um, I think we lose opportunities to learn and grow. Yeah. Well, I think that that's majorly where the humility piece comes in is we have to start slashing that ego at some point and, and having that humility and, and whether that's just as simple as like, if somebody asks you a question rather than just trying to give them some off the wall answer to be right, Mm -hmm. let them know, Hey, I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Um, or, you know, just letting somebody know that, you know, like we talked about earlier, that this is kind of a triggering conversation for you. Um, or even, I don't know, maybe just letting them know, Hey, I don't know much about this topic, you know, tell me more about it. You know, if you're interested in knowing, um, I, I mean, there, there's so many different levels that humility can come into play that can hopefully start to break down that ego side of stuff if one is willing but that's, mm-hmm. that's the hopeful side of things. But like you were saying that that's that more debate structure. And I think when you're talking about debate, we're talking about the more traditional style debate, like that you might see in school, right? It's very professional. It's, yeah. it's very controlled and, and it's smooth usually. And when that's, I think one of those things that you can kind of begin to master over time, if you, you know, work on it enough but it's so important and it is amazing. I think uh, another part of humility is realizing that my viewpoint is not the only one that exists, right? Yeah. Like and you were not, saying. Not any more important than the other person. Right. I think that like debating, you get that level of respect for the other's opinion, right? Yeah. It's, it's that openness and, and willingness to not only be able to talk about your side of the stuff, but to also hear what they have to say and, and being fine and open to that and, and knowing that no one of us is always right. And, and there's a lot of different angles, perspectives, you know, viewpoints, things like that, that we can kind of try and soak in. And once we realize that though, at our core, mm-hmm. I think it makes communication so much easier and it's not all about us or yeah, it's I, not all about them either. It's, it is a two way street. Yeah. And it'll carry that emotional intelligence, the humility, um, losing your ego and just overall respect for the person you're having a conversation with. I think that that will lay a very simple path for you in communicating in every realm of your life, whether it's family, work, friends, um, because it doesn't have to be those. I mean, it's not necessarily a major, you know, political, religious, something like that conversation. This could be, you know, this heightened emotional conversation could easily be with a spouse or um, family members that, you know, those relationships too will um, suffer if we don't find that that even keeled way to communicate and really hear and give our partners and our friends our our concerns and. Uh, um, really voice what's going on with us. Yeah. Well, and I know we kind of talked a little bit about it here and there, but the rapport side of stuff. And I think that, you know, when I hear rapport, I, I go back to my sales days, right. Um, or even right now in crisis work, you, you got to build rapport with everybody. But I think that if we took that out of just some of the normal 
like like pointed areas i think that 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 rapport is really used in mm-hmm. and you actually broaden that out into normal everyday conversation if you think about it um i think it could be very vital to leading into a good conversation i mean obviously that might be more helpful when you're just communicating with people for the first time or the first couple of times but when you start thinking about rapport building to me, it's just making a really meaningful conversation, mm-hmm. right? It's finding these hooks, things that that make that conversation worthwhile and kind of buy that person into you and want to keep having that conversation with you. But if we were all doing that all the time, you know, we could really have some very meaningful conversations because to me, in order to build rapport, you have to utilize active listening. You have to truly be listening and engaging with that other person in a meaningful way to get them to want to engage with you in a meaningful way. And mm-hmm. I think that can, you know, and I, I haven't worked in every job, right? So I don't know what all job environments or, you know, cultural environments this might be used in um, across the board, but I know that there's a lot of areas in my life or environments that I might be in where I'm communicating with people and rapport is kind of in the back of my mind. It's not, you know, for me, when I think rapport, I go back to crisis work, what I'm doing now, or I think back to sales. And Mm -hmm. when I'm talking with a friend, I'm not thinking rapport. When I'm talking with a family member, I'm not thinking about building rapport, you know, but I think that it could be such a useful tool in all of our conversations, we just might have to frame it a little bit differently. Yeah. I think it's almost like you, you add a level of genuineness, right. To the, to the conversation. I think it's pretty interesting and people would be pretty amazed at, um, you know, the, the, the people you meet and the, the commonality you meet with the, with the rent, you know, it could be the person in the grocery line that you're talking to. I mean, it's amazing what, um, similarities we have with those we're around all the time. And I think if you do just like you said, use that humility and, and build that rapport or, uh, um, I already forgot what I said, but use that to build, build those relationships and get to know those people more. You'd be amazed. I mean, you might make a new friend. You yeah. never know. Well, and I, I really like that too. And it's, this is actually something I do a lot. And I kind of talked about this in our last episode with the, the pay it forward mm-hmm. stuff. Was that the last or the one before? Uh, I think the one before. I'm getting my, my episodes mixed up. <laughs> but um, when we talked about pay it forward, that was one of the things is is kind of like opening a door for somebody, saying hi, asking how their day is, what have you. But if you're looking to better your communication skills, that's also a huge way to do that is when you're out in public, don't be shy. Maybe you are shy. I, I Believe it or not, I can tend to be a very shy person in certain settings. I try and push myself outside of that box, but being able to communicate with anybody that you come in contact on the street, in the mm-hmm. store, you know, driving. I can't even tell you how many times I've even just rolled my window down and, you know, gotten somebody's attention because I like their car and I, you know, just yell out to them that their car looks nice, whatever. I mean, there's there's so many different arenas that you can move into and kind of start to practice your communication outside of your normal comfort zone, which can only make you better. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great way. And this, like you said, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and just 
um, kind of always focusing on improving yourself in the communication realm and uh, practicing. Yeah, big time. And it's a good time to do it too, because a lot of times people are, you know, embarrassed a lot of times or feel ashamed to try new things, especially with people that they know. And if you're really trying to further your communication skills, that's a great way to do it is out in day-to-day public when you're out running around doing your errands, stopping by the gas station, going to the grocery store, whatever it might be, strike up some conversations with some people. It's going to feel weird at first, but Mm -hmm. after a while it starts to become this natural feeling. And now I do it all the time. Half the time I do it without even thinking. And I'm saying hi to people and asking them how their day is and how the holidays were, whatever. And you'd be shocked as to what kind of conversations you might get into And it's amazing, but it helps with that communication skill because not only are you doing it outside of your comfort zone, but you're doing it with a bunch of people that you've never met before Mm -hmm. and seeing those different personalities and interacting with them and really communicating with these people. It, it, it's honestly quite fun Yeah, and definitely educational at times. Yep. Well, I think it's time for the afterthought. Um, where we leave you with quotes, challenges, or other thoughtful moments. And today, Josh, and I just kind of want to challenge everyone listening to think back to uh, some of your more recent conversations that you've had with others and kind of just think about how that conversation went and kind of evaluate it. And, um, you know, think of maybe some areas that you could have improved your communication in those instances. Instances. But then we want you to think about specifically some conversations that you had where maybe things got um, a little more heated or argumentative kind of in nature and and really kind of sit down and think about that conversation as a whole and maybe some things that you could have changed or done slightly differently that maybe would have prevented it from, I guess, escalating to that argumentative standpoint. And we'll also leave you with a quote today. Um, To effectively communicate, we must realize that we are all different in the way we perceive the world and use this understanding as a guide to our communication with others. That's from Tony Robbins. Don't forget to check out our website at www.wellnessphenoms.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Wellness Phenoms. Go subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on new episodes, and you can also drop a review on the Apple Podcast app. Alrighty, Phenoms. Until next time, enjoy the journey and stay well.